The Sharp Tank. No jumper. Sharpest, coolest podcast in the world. And today, got a good man in the building like myself, because I consider myself a good man. All right. Things that I've been through, right? You know? Mm-hmm. But we have. And I want to I want to say this right because I had to write this one down because I was like, man, this man comes with a lot of titles. <laughs> you know, when you got titles, man, you got a WBECC. <laughs> uh, I don't know about all that. Just call me a good man. As you no, say. man. You know, I got the co-director to the new series, Hip Hop Homicides. Man, that's crazy right there because I actually I'm ready to catch that. You ready to catch? I'm what? ready to catch them joints, man. I'm ready to catch like just that whole new series okay. that y'all got coming on out, man. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Tell me what that was like, man. Like with Fifty Cent, just like working with that whole situation. Yeah, so yeah, I'm the producer, executive producer, showrunner of Hip Hop Homicides. It's the true crime one-hour show that airs on WeTV every Thursdays, mm-hmm. and then um, re-airs on All Black on Mondays. It profiles like high-profile murders in hip hop. Um, we go through the situations, we investigate them. We also do a little bit of a biography. So it's like I do a show called Unsung, and it's kind of like Unsung meets a true crime show, like American Gangster, which I also do. Um, no, Van Lathan is the host. 50 Cent uh, came up with the show. You know, obviously 50 himself is a gunshot survivor and had, you know, a lot of the deaths in hip-hop, unfortunately. And he knew Pop Smoke. Pop Smoke was, if you listen to Pop Smoke, he's like a baby 50 Cent mm-hmm. to some extent. And so when Pop got murdered, I think that really uh, affected 50 in a, a big way. And that he was just just horrified. Number one, the dude was only 20 years old, and number two, he was suspicious about some of the circumstances that happened. Mm. So I think he hit up Mona Scott Young, who's the producer of Love and Hip Hop, and together, you know, Mona was like, "50 said, hey, let's do a show about dead rappers," and she was like, "What?" But no, you know. And then I took that concept and developed it, and went out and shot it with Van Lathan. So we shot these eight episodes, which are airing now. The first episode was uh, Pop Smoke. We just did King Von, and tomorrow we have Magnolia Shorty. That's crazy, man, because I don't think anybody's even tapped into that yet. You know, we got all these other shows on mysteries and cold cases and Mm -hmm. things like that. But I've noticed that when it comes to rappers, black men who rap, Mm -hmm. I feel like it kind of just it has its little buzz through the community. And we talk about it and Mm -hmm. things like that. But it never like we don't ever see them trying to solve that true crime. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, just superly into it. Like, no, this is one we just got to figure out. I don't right. really see that. So to see somebody like yourself and others, especially Van Lathan, that's my partner right there. I okay. love him. I actually did an interview with him a while back. Okay. You know, just to see you guys come together, man, is that's that's, phenom- that's well, phenomenal. Well, I, mean, I, I think the thing that's important is that, you know, a lot of times in law enforcement, I grew up in Oakland, California, and before yeah. I started doing this, you know. Charles Oakland. Yeah, Tom Bennis. And, uh. I was reported to LA Times and I worked at the source. So I covered the murders of Tupac and Biggie in real life. I was mm. really, really there at the hospital with you know the Tupac situation and Biggie. When that happened in Vegas? Yep. You and was actually in the hospital. I was at the hospital, yep. And wow. uh, when when Big, you know, all those source magazine cover stories from the nineties, yeah. Ninety five, ninety six, Biggie, mm. Pac, Dre, I wrote all of those. So I mean I am saying I've been wow. tracking this for a while. So wow. it took somebody like myself who actually had been on the front lines and I think Van who was a hip hop, you know, connoisseur. Yes. And I think it's important for people from the culture to mm-hmm. go still tell stories about people from the culture. You know, because a lot of times these people look at our culture from the outside. We mm-hmm. telling you a story from the inside. Mm-hmm. So yeah, man, it, it was a tough show to do, my brother. And obviously the timing of it, which is really unfortunate, would take off and some of the other situations that's happened re- recently with PNB Rock. And, you know, a lot of times, not that, you know, I don't know if y'all can curse on here, but police you is can. like, you know. You can. We don't, we don't want to solve that. That's just another nigga dead. Why do we care? I don't mm. think they really wanted to solve the murder of Tupac Shakur. No. They, why? A wow. black rapper talking about anti-police stuff? You think they want to solve that? No. So I think that we really wanted to try to make sure that you know Pop Smoke is a man, that you know Mo3 or you know XX Tentacion or somebody else we profile. You all, I think in the media you only see one-dimensional portraits of these guys. They loud, they got guns, they wild, they deserved what happened to them. But these are fathers, cousins, sons. You know what I mean? These are real human beings. And so that's what I'm in it for, to make sure that our brothers and sisters get humanized. That is some of the realest shit I ever heard. Like, just even for it, because you just hit it right on the head. Like, it's just another, to them, it's just another nigga dead that played the game. And yes, okay, people do make decisions. I get that part. But to just let it just go. Right. 
is is crazy to me because like you said these are fathers these are uncles these are sons you mm -hmm. know these are people that had whole families that may have depended on them just like right. basketball players man right. you know when their life gets changed it's the same thing for a rapper he's gonna start taking care of his family he makes sure his whole family can he's be. the breadwinner he's the breadwinner yeah, I mean, he, man he's, he's really looking out for all of these people and i think you know one of the things about the show which is deep and you know, because I was at the hospital when Tupac, as I mentioned, to see Afini. I think you don't realize that the mothers in these situations, on every episode we did, hmm. we did Pop Smoke, uh, XX Tentacion, Mo 3, Soldier Slim, Magnolia Shorty, um, Chinks. I don't know if you're familiar with Chinks. Um, New York Cat, yeah, right? New York Cat. Yeah. So we got to talk to all of the mothers. And, you know, some of these mothers are still in pain. FBG Duck, a rapper in Chicago, got killed. like in Broad, the, daylight. Broad daylight. Downtown right? Chicago. Yes, we went to where he got Damn. killed. And his mother has multiple um, uh, kids of hers and got murdered. So a lot of times our communities, there's a collective trauma in hip hop right now. I think that we, it's unfortunate that we've gotten used to the grief as if this is supposed to be this way, but it's not, I don't need to be talking to eight moms whose sons are 20 years old, 21 years old, at the peak of their thing. You know, you finally made it, right? Mm. And then you become a target. I think the rapper now is the target. You know, back when I grew up in the mix, the rapper was celebrated. You know what I mean? He was like, oh, man, I'm about to go see Big Daddy Kane. Oh, wow, is that E-40? Damn. Well, I'm a, I'm a, I have to say this to you, for real, Frank, and I, I think about it. You know, when I was growing up, I listened to drug dealers. These <laughs> days, they're listening to drug users. Correct. So it's a very, very big difference in the demographic of what rap has even became overall. Right. Well, and right. anything that's bad, if you feed it to a motherfucker long enough, it starts to get normalized. Correct. It starts to become normal, and I think that's for anybody. Just like you said, like, yeah, we get pushed into this corner, you know, mm -hmm. to where... You know, it, what, what comes with rap? Guns, right. violence, you know, jewelry, whatever. You know, they, they classify it, man. They, they throw all these, the, oh, well, the good things is the jewelry. The mm -hmm. good things is the cars. But they don't let you know, man, this motherfucker might really have a problem with you just for you being you right. and pop your motherfucking ass. And there's a lot of hate. You know, and, I, and I, one thing I discovered after doing this show, which I think, you know, I said this a couple of times, the people, the man that killed Tupac had a personal problem with Tupac, right? He had whatever beef. They had had Biggie with situations that people might have known him, whatever it was, you know, police, Puff, Suge, whatever is connected. That man who shot PNB Rock walked into the middle of a restaurant of Brosco's in the middle of the day to take his chain, never met him, had no beef with him, no rap, nothing. There's a lot of clout chasing, a lot of just lack of respect for black life. And I think that that's the difference now than what was happening then. I love that these, these combos today. These cats is just going, bro. out of pocket, you know. And I think as an OG, I'm like, take your time. They don't have no code, no ethic, and just you. You're gonna rob, walk into a Roscoe's in the middle of the afternoon, and when this man is eating with his woman and eating, you know, some some chicken and waffles, and murder him, and your daddy is waiting outside to take you in a car. That, that, you know, without, that, that's problematic. That's a big problem, my brother. What I feel like was sick is because it's back on and this to piggyback what you said before that we're like after a while gets normalized right mm -hmm. it was crazy to hear that the people that were working in there and the people that were eating just kept eating their chicken black folks in there was just kept eating their chicken people wow. just kept working I like, didn't know it, it didn't yeah they That's said scandalous. nobody really like made a move like to where it was like, oh my God, this is traumatic. Well, I mean, this that, man's that, on that the Ross ground. Goes in the hood, unfortunately, and, and it is, know, and but it's active, been, no, yeah. but it's all been normalized. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? To where it's like, just like you said, that's normalizing it. Well, it's in the hood, right? You know what I'm saying? That's the first thing. But, that I, but I do your think mind. I'd have to disagree in that we should not set the bar that low to think that that's okay. Right. If he that's got popped okay. in, a, if he got shot in a fucking Roscoe's in Beverly Hills, are we going to say the same thing? Well, it was the area. We well, can't... all I know, if, if imagine if these pop stars were being killed like these rappers. Don't you think it'll be a crisis in America? Once it, became, once it became the opioids, mm. then it became a problem. When it was crack mm -hmm. and other drugs, it wasn't. Because you know why? Because black people and Latino, we was dying, right? But now once the white kids and the mainstream, whatever, racism is just reality of it. And I think... You know, it's, it's funny. Do you think that people put themselves in that situation by what we rap about and what we sing about? Should we be, you know, if we ring about, you know, murders and guns and, you know, doing whatever, does that mean that we deserve that? To answer this is we sing about it. I only feel like, I feel like we sing about it or we, ch we chant about it. Because I feel like it's all chants, right? Raps mm -hmm. is like chants, man. You can bring that shit into existence. Mm -hmm. You know, we chant about it because it sells. Mm -hmm. It's what sells, man. 
everybody's only gonna do what sells. They're not trying to be left out in the dark. So if me talking about popping this nigga on this street and then going to his house and, or his grandmama's house or shooting his grandmama's house up, gonna make me a millionaire tomorrow, that nigga's gonna talk about it. Correct. I've noticed that shit. Even if he would never do it, it still starts that, that, that fake beef. And I feel like anything that's fake can always turn back real. Right. You know what I'm saying? So when I hear motherfucker, just even though he didn't mean it, I heard it in a song. I, I seen somebody come around somebody that I saw was, he, he, he's really scared of this man. And then this man didn't do nothing, showed him mercy. The man went back and made a song about him. Mm. It's shit like that. Right. You know what I'm saying? That gets just let off the, like, just like, it, it cause it's for clout. It's a, the I can say, say it. It's, it's, it's bad, crazy. man. And it's I will bad. say though too that one of the things that's different is a, the cloud chasing, like an, an amount of young men and women on the internet with guns, and the fact that um, social media beef, like I never, you know, in the 90s, I never heard of no internet beef. But <laughs> motherfuckers can be beefing <laughs> on the internet. NBA Young Boy <laughs> and the brother Young uh, King Von, who he just profiled, their beef started online. Somebody was like, yo, NBA Young Boy is whack, and then they went back and forth, and a girl is involved. It seems so petty to lose your life over just internet chatter to me, you know what I mean? Or you did this and you said that. It's so, wow, you know. Well, let's think about this. Back in the day, it was more of a word of a mouth. Today, like, everybody's got something to say so it don't get let go. It's like, you got to do something. Right. Or there's going to be all these comments. People are going to mm -hmm. troll you. And it's a sense of harassment, right? right, right, right. It's like, oh, you better do something. I knew you was a bitch. Ah, I knew you there's wasn't going to do nothing. That, which is unfortunate. It, it, yeah. it, that's what gets pressed. So now this person feels like when I see this person, I got to do something. Versus well, you, a, lot of, a lot of situations, my man, can be talked through or communicated through. I, but I, people I, don't I do that. You, you, you know, you hit the nail on the head is that. One of the things that I discovered, not just doing hip hop and being hip hop for a minute, yeah. but just in black society in yeah. general. Of course. Um, I did another show called Profile of the Black Man. What was it about? It was about um, stereotypes about black men. Black men are violent. They don't support their family, whatever. It just tackled the stereotypes. But mm -hmm. there is a lack of conflict resolution skills in our community that the young, when Takeoff got shot, they was beefing over a dice game. And allegedly, one of the young boys just started popping off. And maybe that stray hit him or whatever. But we don't know how to talk through things. And not to say about other races are better, but you don't see my lawyer or my agent or people in, you know, dealing with business. If they got beef, these folks, they go to court. Right? They go to courts. They like, That's oh, that shit, You man. could be my boy and we was in business and you did whatever. Yeah, you might have yeah. did something to my wife. I don't care. But these folks don't go out and kill each other. Mm -mm. So we don't have the ability. When King Von got killed, he saw Quando Rondo a young boy, he had, you know, one of NBA's young boys dudes, mm -hmm. and had beef with, and immediately hit him, right? As soon as he hit him, he jumped out the car, they start scrapping, and the whole crew starts scrapping, and then one of Quando Rondo's boys shot King Von. That moment where he lost his temper and hit that brother cost him his life, in real life, right? And so we, I, I don't know what else to do. When Tupac Shakur, who I love to death, Loved him to death. Too, Lost brother. his temper in that particular situation with the young man who everybody knows pretty much shot him. It had drastic consequences for him. Not shortly after that, he got killed. So what I'm saying is, how do we mitigate disagreements or beefs amongst us or whatever so that we can either, you know, like old school fight it out or do we just talk? I, I don't know, but I just, there was a crisis where we, and a lot of these boys, they got guns, right? And they own drugs. They own lean. They off Percocet, they off Zannies, they doing whatever, they hyped up, they got weapons. You know what I mean? It's, it's a volatile mix is what I'm trying to say. And so I'm, a, I'm about prevention, but I really don't know. Maybe you got an answer. Well, I feel like it starts with what you just said, that chemical imbalance. Being on these things that are, man, this ain't weed and alcohol. I mean, shit, I know we tripped off weed and alcohol, motherfuckers. You even right. tell your uncle, man, watch your brown liquor. Right, right, right. You right. know, ease up on it some. You know, you're getting a little too loose. I, I can't really tell you what people are thinking. The, the ones that be on drugs like that, the heavy narcotics, I can't tell you that because I've never been on that. 
Right. I've never done those, so I don't know what really pushes some people just to, whether it's you're coming down and you just want to trip. I'm like, I, I've never watched so many people, especially rappers. I've never watched so many people with so much money want to stay in the bullshit. Mm -hmm. I've never understood that. I thought we were trying to get some money so we can get out and get on and get to a better fucking place. Right. It's like now we're just going to a better place. Right. You know what I'm well, saying? I mean, it's you know, scary. People... people you make it and you want to be even more gangster. The point for me as a person who came from the hood is like, I want to get up out the hood. I'm not trying to go back, you know, no disrespect to Suge, but Suge was a middle class kid. And as soon as he got some bread, he tried to take it to the gangster when he should have been Barry Gordy instead of trying to be a, a thug. You know what I mean? And I think it's just unfortunate. I think for my show and other stuff that I've done, I'm hoping that we can increase the dialogue in our communities. Do you, know? you feel like Tupac did that? And I'll give you an example mm -hmm. by with, you know, I mean, his mom, his parents were some powerful people, if it sounds like, man, Black Panthers, you know, they had that, you know, that background on their mm -hmm. back, and he would stand up, you know, and he would politic. Mm -hmm. And I love Tupac, bro, but I have to look at it. I have to play devil's advocate mm -hmm. a little bit here because I'm like, okay, I love Pac to death. I listen to every, I've listened to every album he ever dropped, man, mm -hmm. song for song, word for word. But then I start to think about it like he would push these politics, and I love that about him. That part of it I loved. I'd be like, man, he's really standing up for us. Mm -hmm. But then I would see him go spit on people. Mm -hmm. Thug life. Fuck you. I'm jumping everybody. Right. It's kill or be killed. Right, right. Last motherfucker breathing. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like he used to like he jumped on a whole different demographic with it to where it's like you think them people was good. They couldn't wait for him to go. Correct. Yeah. It, it, he it was it, it has to come to a point, man. Tupac should have been a lesson. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mm. There should have been a, a lesson in that, man. You know what I'm saying? And that's where the true blessing is found. He showed you, hey, man, when you really touch those roads, you got to transition. Correct. You have to transition. Mm -hmm. And I want all my brothers to know that, man. When you feel that and you know that small, any-ass fucking window, it came to me. From what I've came from, my backgrounds, man, and me seeing that any ass fucking window, you gotta jump through it and you gotta dumb your ass down. It's okay to be humble sometimes. I and like I like being a square. Like, you know, it's good. Like, you know, the point is you can't be in the streets and be in music. You you gotta pick one. Once you and 50 will tell you, you know, he you can see his career trajectory. He he almost got killed. And so I think he knew, let me transition. And you can't be in those places that you used to be, right? You can't be in those streets. You can't be in a situation where there's guns and girls and crazy shit that you know is going to happen. So I think that a lot of times we don't, we think we got to bring our hood with us. We got to stay in the street to be hard, to be whatever. You should be like, well, how can I become a senior citizen? That's your goal in life is to be able to not die Damn. at 25. You know what I mean? Tupac Shakur was 25 years old. Uh, Christopher Wallace was 24 when he got murdered. Uh, Pop Smoke was only 20. XX Sensation was 20 years old. Um, I think Mo 3 was 28. These men didn't even make it to 30 years old. And it's sad, you know, but I think for me, I, I just want to keep encouraging and making sure that we tell our own stories and just like you guys with your podcast and all of that. But um, there is a, there's, shit is crazy, bro, on the street right now. Even me, I'm not in front of the camera, but I'll be, I'm, I watch myself. You know, I was out in the club in Atlanta about a month ago and uh, I had got my little bill and I was, I need I had my drink in the bill, my food, and I set my drink down on the table. It was like a little booth. Motherfucker got it. He was like, hey, you put your drink on my table. You know, get your, you know, it just went off of me. And I was like, dude, I just want to sign the bill. He's like, I was like, man, what are you talking about? And my first thought was like, what? what? And I almost went there. But I was like, it's not where you're from, it's where you're at. Right. But I was like, I always had I was that like, on the back yeah, of but your I, mind. And, and I was like, I'm in a foreign city. He might have something yeah. in the car, yeah. right? He, I don't know who's in here with him. Right. And I got a lot to lose. Right. Because I do what I do. He may not have shit to lose. So when you know situations, you got to just be careful. And I had the wisdom to do that. But sometimes other people don't have that wisdom. And I think our brothers and sisters just need to be smarter. I've you know, been there. Yeah. I ain't going to lie. Yeah. I'm, I'm not victim. I am suspect to that because okay. I've done that. Right. You know what I'm saying? To where like, hold on. 
I don't really need to have myself because I've been hot-headed through shit. I don't like to be tested. I don't like, mm-hmm. I think it's probably because I've been tested so much coming up through life as mm-hmm. a youngster to where I'm like, as I've gotten older, I'm like, man, I'm not getting tested even for the little bit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But past the showrunner, director, mm-hmm. things like that, for Frank, what was it like for you coming up, man? Because you seem like you got an interesting story just for you even understanding what's going on with society today. What was it like for you as a youngster? Well, no, I mean, like I mentioned, I grew up in Oakland, California, um, mm-hmm. the 70s, 80s. I saw Felix Mitchell, um, notorious drug dealer from Oakland. Um, I saw Huey Newton and Bobby Seale in real life. I saw the Black Panther Party in my hood. You know, so I grew up Damn. in a city that had a really cultural legacy, black power, black, you know, militancy, but also had street life. Oakland is very street oriented, obviously crimes and, you know, cracks and drugs. And it was a very bad time in the late 80s. I'm a little older than you, but, you know, we went through that late 80s, early 90s crack situation and it decimated our community. So as much as I grew up in that, I was blessed because I had education. So I went to, you know, Columbia and San Diego State. So I got a degree. So I'm like a, you know, I'm a street cat with Hollywood game. And so I make sure that I can speak. You know, I have a friend. Um, I told him I speak white people, you know, and so, you know, yeah, you know, white people, know exactly whisper. Yeah. white people whisper, and so it's just important to be able to have balance. Yeah. So for me, I've yeah. always been about balance and the way I actually got into telling, you know, I'm a storyteller. People say I'm a producer, writer, whatever, but I really just tell stories. And so when I was a youngin, you know what I'm saying? With the Afro and the glasses, you know, back in, you know, the early eighties when I was just trying to come of age, I got my first start telling stories. All of the D boys and the gangsters in my hood couldn't write love letters for their, their ladies. So he, you know, Tyrone would be like, hey, you know, I want a, a, a letter for Keisha. You know, tell her, you know, how I feel. I'd be like, yeah, tell me how she look. What she do, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I write their letters That's for them. And they give me a little 15, 20 bucks. You know, That's I was kicking. Right there, I was kicking yeah. like 100, you know, bucks. Gotta hustle something. something. Yeah. yeah and so I would, something. you know, they, they give it to the girl. And it was from and from them, even though I wrote it. So yeah, I'm so that's, that's how I got started, telling those stories. And, you know, television and film has always been my thing. And, you know, hip hop, I grew up around hip hop. And I've been blessed to, you know, have 30 years in it from the source to BT and all of that. So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm a street cat, but Hollywood, you know, at the same yeah. time, you know, Hollywood gangster, as uh, Nas said. I feel like, I feel like real ones, the ones that really make it of our kind, just mm-hmm. ones that came from the street, from the block, you always learn to do what you was good at to get mm-hmm. some money. Correct. Don't try to do what the next person doing. I never wanted to look up to this person and be like, oh, well, they're doing it. You know what I'm saying? That might not necessarily work for me. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, some of the younger crowd, because I love them, man. I want them to understand just, I don't give a fuck what y'all do. Right. Do what you're great at, though. Correct. Don't get caught in the mix on something, because like I said, you'd fuck around and catch yourself 50 years for some shit you was just trying out because you saw somebody else do it and you mm-hmm. saw it work for them. If you if you feel like that's in you to do it, okay, cool. But I feel like 90% of the population do it because they just saw some shit. I had a friend, it's a trip you said it, because, you know, when you grow up in those environments, it's short-term and long-term, right? You see the D-boy, he's making money, the girls like it, he got the, in, our, in my city, he got the Chevy, he got the Mustang, he balling, he's, you know, caking up out the pocket. Nine times out of ten, most of those dudes that I grew up with got murdered and went to jail. So they didn't have, they didn't have to go to college and try to, do stuff, and they didn't think about, you know, that it's a, a marathon, not a sprint. So I think sometimes the short-term philosophy in our environments where the quick money, I had a buddy named um, Leonard, who I grew up in my block um, in an area of Oakland called Funktown, Murder Doves, and uh, Square Dude, beautiful mom, family, everything's good, right? He's yeah. like taken care of, wanted to be hard. You know, you know where the story's going. Yeah. Wanted to be hard, um, wanted to be down, show that he's a gangster. Ended up getting caught up in some stuff. Ended up going to jail for 30-something years for shooting somebody and some drugs. This was a square. Like, his mother picked Pete. Like, you would have loved to have had his family and his mother, but he wanted to be a gangster so bad because he thought that it was cool and he would get girls. And that decision almost cost him most of his life in jail. So, you know, you just got to make the right decision right and left. And so, as you say, you know, sometimes, you know, and, and, uh, my partner Earl, uh, 40 Water, he, uh, he got an album called Practice Looking Hard. And some of these cats, you, you know, they practice and looking hard. They in the mirror, you know, want to be a gangster. I want to talk to you about him, mm-hmm. but I, I got a story for you too, man. And I, I feel like this, and I'm, I'm gonna cut it short, quick. Mm-hmm. But 
You know, I was a former pimp, man. That was okay. that was my profession. That's why I come well, from. I mean, shit, you from <laughs> Oakland, so you should already know. It was a little bit of it around you. I mean, shit, I was waiting for one of them stories to come up, but it didn't. You yes, know? that's my boy but Kenny I'm, Red. I'm yeah, sure, Kenny yeah, Red is my love one, a relative. Funeral. Yeah, that's my I love I went and buried him in Richmond. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's I was there. Yeah. I threw roses on his grave. That was okay. a real good friend of mine, man. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? I talked hey, to you him. You know my, my girl Jody, too. Jody Mattington. Jody, she's a, uh, she, she's a white, you know, lady. Who has young ladies and situations and you yeah. know what I mean? And you know my boy Percy, I mean, right? My boy Pete. Yeah. Percy. But yeah. I, I'll tell you this, man, like, you know, just with the with the game and everything, and like like I said, I was I was former, you know what I'm saying? I used to, man. It's my past. Mm -hmm. I've I've moved forward. But I think what it is is I've learned that same with like people you say been to jail or they die. You know, I didn't want to be either one of them, man. I had to figure out a transition because I knew if I stayed relying on just hoes, especially me getting older, man, I'ma lose. Right, okay. I'ma lose, man. If I just, if that's all I'm on now, and like that's what, I don't even wanna deal with that no more. I don't even wanna be by that no more because I know if that's all I'm relying on today in 2022, man, 20 coming on 2023, I know I'm not gonna, I'ma lose, bro, I'ma die off. Right, I'm gonna right. die off quick. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I'm like, well, shit, man, I gotta make the transition somewhere for myself because that ain't where I wanna be. I gotta be able to do it for myself too, man. And I've noticed a lot of people are starting to pick that up. And I just hope even some of my people from, you know, my backgrounds or the things that I've done or we've done or just whatever the case may be can pick up something too that they love, man. Mm -hmm. I just hope that I'm a I'm a piece of inspiration to it and not failure. Right. But I think that, you know, I think Jay-Z talks about how. You're here to discover your destiny and whatever your passion is and live that out and do that. You know what I mean? Ryan Coogler, Free Streets of Oakland, became a director. You know what I mean? Too short. When I used to see him on the bus, he learned how to rap. And now he's turned out into being an icon. So, right. no, I mean, I'm just, I'm blessed. You know, I'm a storyteller. I did it in magazines, um, newspapers, LA Times, and now I'm telling stories on TV. So, yeah. same thing. You know? How'd you, uh, how you know E40? I know you uh, say Earl. Yeah, Earl. Earl, um, I'm from the Yay. And so, you know, they say nothing but Yay flowing through my veins. Hmm. Uh, I knew Earl because I used to produce the Source uh, Hip Hop Music Awards, and so I produced Earl on that. He was doing some B.O., and I just met him, you know, because I was at the Source in the 90s, and I also produced his Unsung. If you guys are familiar with the show, Unsung, I produced that about E-40. I went back to Vallejo with him, and I know his family, and, you know, we were we, we cool, and Too Short, the same thing. So, you know, we all from the same soil. It was Earl's birthday yesterday. Shout out, happy birthday, Earl! Hey man, and, uh, happy you know birthday, I mean? Earl, man, Earl! Earl. Earl. You're getting up there, pimp, but you you still yeah. you still Charlie hustled, though, man. I just want you to know, even like you said, okay, that's cool. You say you're a little older than me, and I love that to death. But I always respected the ones that was older than me, church. That's why I could sit back and even take that. You know, even you saying that to me. But man, shit, you know, I'm starting to get into the veteran ranks now, <laughs> man. My shit turning gray, Jack. You know what I'm saying? I be putting the, you know, the desk for me and don't really be working, but I got to put a little bit out of that. Like, I keep I, it you, you know what, you know? man? I, I've let my grades go because I feel like, you know, it just shows a part of my wisdom. Right. It's you true. know what I'm saying? Like, it's just a part of my wisdom, man. Some of the things that I done been through. That's crazy that you say, man, shout out to Kenny Red. Like I said, I was just there with him. Uh, well, shit, I've seen him a while back, mm. but I was just there, man, for his funeral, man. That was my partner. I had a hell of a day that day, too, man, trying to get there. But I made sure I made it there, man. We buried him up there in, uh, in Richmond. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shout out to Kenny Red, one of yeah. the real ones. He's in the Too Short Unsung. Talking yeah. about the peak, because you know, we, we from the town, it's a lot of peak. That's why I going say on, it, you know comes I mean? with it, 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 it <laughs> yeah. just comes with yeah. it. It's yeah. culture, man. Yeah. It's not because motherfuckers is glorifying that, it's just a part of the Oakland culture, yeah. you know, and that's why I've always showed love, man, pay homage. Like, I, man, shit, Kitty Red, he was one of the concrete generals. Yes, for sure. You know, for he sure. was, man, go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for you, but for you, man, like, I, I, I like where you're going with just even your mindset. And how you even look at trying to, well, I'm about to do this, man. Let's let's do this hip-hop homicide, man. Let's, like, really dig deep. I've already been following these stories. Okay. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yourself, you're saying, I've already been following these stories and, and things like that. I've been on the Tupac. And and, and, but it's, it's a trip now to see. Somebody was, we were talking about this the other day. Hip-hop is now the predominant genre, the number one genre on the planet. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of young people today, they can't imagine a world where hip-hop wasn't on the American Music Awards, why it wasn't on the Grammys, why it was on every radio station, right? I grew up in a time when hip-hop was played on a Saturday from like 1 to 4 or in the morning, yeah. right? And you had to find it. And the R&B radio never played hip-hop. I was at the Grammys when, you know, Met the Man was backstage or, you know, didn't want to go to the show. 
and boycott it, or Will Smith boycott it because they didn't want to put us Can on I the ask air. you a question? That's yeah. crazy you brought him up. Yeah. I want to ask you as just a real connoisseur to it and being around these high-profile people. Mm -hmm. How did you feel about Will Smith slapping Chris Rock? Uh, you try to get me out there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I told you I'm mainstream Hollywood. Just ask him. I don't want nobody. I mean, she oh, said no. you're mainstream. Yeah, but I'm just saying, no, I think, um, that, I think he was totally out of pocket. You know, you never put your hands on nobody else. I don't give a damn what you do. There's no reason, unless somebody's putting my life in jeopardy or touching my family or no loved ones, and especially as black men, we already got so many issues to deal with in mm -hmm. Hollywood and media, and Will was out of pocket for that. He, you know, whatever his inspiration or whatever the situation, especially one of the biggest nights of your life, I think after that, Denzel, <laughs> Denzel Washington said, God's test you at those biggest moments, and I think he, he lost it. You know, I've been around Will, but totally good guy. You can see from his life what he's done. We all lose it, but I think that he was totally out of pocket. And me, honestly, if Will would have put his hands on me, we toss him right there. We go for it. I'm about to get Jada too. If Jada's trying to get in, she well, gonna get some too. You know what I mean? You're not a comedian, so you're <laughs> yeah, like, hold on, man. I was like, dude. I'm like, I'm not hey, gonna man. wow you. Yeah, I'm well, not gonna be. Did yeah, he nah, just slap me yeah. in the face? I mean, oh. and maybe, maybe, maybe it's Chris's philosophy was like, well, you know, I'm gonna get a check out of it later, or I'm gonna yeah. use it for leverage. But yeah, I mean, I think he was out of pocket, you know. But again, uh, well, don't 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 try that on a six two uh, two forty black man. I, I believe get these that. Hands. I be yeah. <laughs> 100. I believe that this show is going to take off in a major way, especially because you got your hands in it, because I like your outlook to it and the way that you know you want to present it to the public. I just had another gentleman in here by the name of E. Love, and we was just talking about it, and I was like, you know, he's coming out with a documentary talking about modern-day slavery or modern mm -hmm. slavery, you know, mm -hmm. and just things like that. And I'm like, okay, we're on to something. Everybody's trying to get like, because I feel like our culture, the black culture, mm -hmm. you know, I'm black and white, man. Okay. You know, I, just so you know, okay. just to get, you know, our, our culture, mm -hmm. I feel like we do kind of get thrown to the corner when it's deaths or, you know, it's people that like we were talking about earlier, you know, these people took care of families, mm -hmm. you know, and their family members. Correct. And for it to all be swept under the rug, I don't see the detective really jumping down, man, and just, you know, going and doing it so hard as he might do for Thomas or Ralphie or, you know what I'm saying, somebody in that sense. I don't I don't really see it. It's true. It's a little different. I mean, we're only facing the facts here. At that point, it's no longer an opinion. This is things that we see. Right. And you one, know? Thing, one thing I'll say about that, which is the most unfortunate, is that nine times out of ten, it's us killing us, right? Yeah, and, and, it and, is. And, and in my mentality... You can't argue about the white man this or say the white man did that if you pull the trigger, if you killing your brothers and sisters. You Let's can say about, about the it. system or uh, whatever, but you did that. You I know what I mean? Did, and so yeah. I think that that's the negative part that we need to, to change. And the media obviously plays a part. You know, you're in the media now, even though you're hosting a more kind of like unorthodox show. Mm -hmm. um, I do think the media cares a little bit more than when I was in the 90s doing that because I think social media has forced, like for instance, in the case of... Uh, uh, Pop Smoke and King Von. There's all these internet threads and Reddit that cover it. And so some of the stuff that was done, Fuck Reddit. Yeah, I don't know. Fuck so, Reddit. You fuck, you fuck Reddit. Fuck um, Reddit. I don't fuck with Reddit. Fuck, fuck Reddit. Fuck Reddit. And fuck so, Reddit. Reddit can suck my dick. But some of the work that they did online mm. helped get the information about the case and lead and get some clues. So I'm saying, I think yeah. that social media and some of these online bloggers and stuff, they may be wild and they don't always got the proof, but they definitely have helped solve shit that police could give a fuck about, right? Because they want, these are our rap heroes. Police don't care about these guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, police don't care about them. And you know, nine times out of 10, somebody will put the information all up on the internet because everybody, that that's a way of everybody telling these days, right. the internet. Mm -hmm. The internet, and they'll tell it in so many ways, even without them saying they're telling. Right. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I was there that night. DM me for the info. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be some stupid shit. Well, you know what's you know what the trick when I saw, you know, when I saw take off, unfortunate brother lost his life. Somebody was filming that instead of trying to help this brother. What, what, where, where does your mind come when you see this young man laying there, you know, bleeding like that, and your first instinct is to pull no, out your phone? Can I be real with you? Yeah. It's been going on. Right. Somebody I knew or knew of in San Diego. It's like remember when the boy got popped at the rallies popped at the rallies right in the parking lot. People are walking by filming. There's somebody standing over him. Oh, shit. With a phone. You know what I'm saying? And this ain't to take from Takeoff's death. Right. Man, RIP to Takeoff. Hey, man, 
I've, I've loved your music for a while, man. I watched y'all when y'all was on y'all way to blowing. Mm -hmm. I was in Tennessee watching them. So I really, in a small ass spot. So like this wasn't no, you can go up and touch, like it's mm -hmm. nothing, you know? So it's love to him. But just to show that it's been going on, it shouldn't have to take a big name. It shouldn't have to take a person that, okay, his music was loved by all. Man, this man was probably, he was loved by his family and his daughter. He left daughters behind and right. sons behind. Like, that, that shit just goes under the rug. Mm -hmm. This shit's been going on. Let's not just wait until somebody with a big name. We need to have Takeoff's Death Man be a real lesson. I'm not sure of what's are, going on. I don't know, brother. I don't think and that people are learning. I think that it's just getting worse. No, Somebody we just we just mourning and it's oh yes. my god, yes. it's oh my god, so and then yeah. two weeks later we're back to fucking normal scheduled fucking programming. Yep. So this but, shit is sick. You know, but man, I'm glad. Like I said, you mentioned to me. You know, I want to make sure that these kind of stories get out there. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you know, uh, a lot of times we don't get to tell our own stories as a person of color who works on shows. You know, sometimes when people color, the people making it usually aren't people of color. Feel me? Yeah. Imagine if somebody was going to even tell your story and some Scottish white boy is like, hey, let me tell his story. And, you know, and he's like, what? You're like, what? This motherfucker don't know where I'm right. at. So I think it's important that, you know, people like Van and myself tell these stories. You know, whether it be the 90s or Suge or Tupac or Biggie or whatever stories that I've done, Dr. Dre, it makes a difference that you come talk to me and we can share a likeness because you speak a certain code and language that I might not, you know, Deal with somebody else. When we did this show, being able to go into these environments and gaining the trust of the mothers, the friends, you know, because we don't, we, we got the no snitching. We ain't talking to the police, right? We ain't going to say whatever. So I think a lot of them felt more comfortable telling their stories. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, we had an event the other night in New York with 50 and Mona, and uh, 50 said something, which I didn't know, even though I produced the show, that there's over 600 murders connected to hip hop. And I was like, oh, shit. And I was like, you know, I was like, yeah, but I, and he started to name them. And when I looked at it, it wasn't obviously just the rappers, but, you know, their manager or the, the homie or whatever. And it's just, it's, it's unfortunate. You know, I could do 10 seasons of Hip Hop Homicides. Speaking of other people picking up stories and saying, let me do it. As a showrunner, director, mogul, have you ever had in the industry when you're standing behind cameras, have you ever had anybody come up on you and try to kind of undermine you? Oh yeah, for sure. You know, yeah, being yeah. because of you know being black. You know what I'm saying? I don't know about being that, black, but I've, I've had let's situations. Let's be real. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had okay, I had different kind of situations. One situation I could think about. Um, it's so funny. Uh, I was producing a show called Who Killed Tupac on A and E with Ben Crump. Ben Crump is a lawyer for uh, Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and uh, Trayvon. And so we were at the studio, and Chuck D from Public Enemy was there, and he used to be in a. It was Chuck D, B Real, and Tom from. Anyway, it was a group. And so we went there to interview Chuck about Tupac. So Chuck is in the rehearsal room right over here, right? And he's like, did this interview because I knew him. And so he's like, you know, let us finish whatever, and I'll get to you in a few minutes. Just hold on for like 20 minutes. So I was like, thankful that the OG, like Chuck D, you know, yeah. was said yes. And the young white boy, who I was in the showrunner at that time, uh, was like, no, I don't care. We're just going to leave. And I was like, this is Chuck D. Like, you... But he didn't get the importance of who this man was. And Tupac, by the way, had written Chuck in jail and telling that was his Tupac's hero. He wrote a, you know, he wrote a lot of people. Yes. And I he, noticed. That was his icon, Chuck D. And so yeah. the point of it is when the white boy was like, no, we're going to leave. I was like, no, we ain't leaving. Right? Yeah. And I was like, we ain't leaving. And he was like, well, I don't care, you know, whatever. I was like, and I was like, no, man, everybody's staying. Yeah. And then he was like, you can't talk to me that way. And I was like, what? And he got scared as hell, right? Because he's not from that environment. And I, that was my initial reaction because that's where I came from and conditioned. Do you know in that particular situation later on, the building security from the company I was working for, they tried to get security on the floor. They told me I couldn't come. They said he was afraid for his life, um, that I've threatened him, that, you know, I'm dangerous. What happened to you from that shit? No, I mean, I, I finished the show, but I couldn't work in that actual floor anymore because he, he was afraid of me. Never put hands on the man. Never insinuated that you even had a problem with him. But that was disrespectful in that moment. So you asked me a situation. Has there been a situation where somebody was out of pocket? Yeah. He yeah. was totally out of pocket. You know, me yeah. and Suge got at it a few times because Suge, you know, if you look at some of the cover stories, Suge would say stuff, Eddie Murphy, Michael Jackson, Prince. He was saying all kind of, you don't know the history, but Suge was out of pocket saying some of the stuff he said. Well, tell us about the history. And so he here. just, Come on. you know, he, he used his pulpit 
to disrespect, like he was saying he was the most gangsterous. And I didn't think it was appropriate for him to be saying that stuff. And if I put it in print and in a magazine out to the world, that's giving it credibility, right? And so me challenging him, like, yo, that's not cool, was problematic. He liked it, I think, that somebody wasn't afraid of him, but I guess he didn't like being censored. And so he, you know, we got into it a couple of times, and I think we respect each other now, and it's good, and I'm praying for him um, where he's at, and obviously, you know, some of his life decisions put him in that situation. But, but yeah, you know, I had beef. Me and Method Man almost got into it one time because I think he thought, you know, I'm a writer, hip-hop writer, and I was a punk. And I'm like, nah, nah, homie, you ain't going to get all crazy <coughs> with, with talking to me like that. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah you know, I, I, I'm just careful. I, I, I don't have no beef with people, but, you know, if something starts, then we're going to have to, you know. So you saying you've been, you, you like working with people. You know, but you can get where people could take their star power and try yes, to overpower. Yes, yeah, Hollywood. Come on, these it's Hollywood. Motherfuckers gonna yeah. try to take their star yeah. power and try to overpower. And that could be hip hop, uh, fucking R and B. It could be Real a white shit. movie or Real whatever. Shit. And you always gotta treat people with respect and whatever else. And you don't ever want to do that. So that's all I'm about. Just just people with respect and don't use your you know your place. You know, it's funny because when I was at the LA Times back in the day. When I was covering a lot of hip hop and murder and all that LA kind of Times stuff. is a big magazine. No, newspaper. very big magazine. Very, newspaper. very, or newspaper rather. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. Yes, newspaper. Yeah. But that, nonetheless, that was a very, that was a very grown newspaper. Yeah, to for be sure. Fucking and, with. and at the time, it was a trip because there was a writer, my boy Chuck Phillips, who I love. You know, good guy. He did some kind of reporting that was a little questionable, but yeah. he could write whatever. White boy. If I wrote something, Billy, my, Billy Johnson, my homeboy, my publicist, is a writer from Rap Pages, known each other. They don't care about him. But when they see me, they're like, yo, what's up? I heard you. Like, there's an approach to me as a black man in hip hop that they would have given to the white boy, whatever, right? Because they, it, it's still, they think that it, if I say something as a writer, if I don't, you know, review their album correctly, they can step to me, which is not, that's, it should never be that way. I'm a cultural critic. Like, if you don't like what I wrote, they don't give you a reason to, like, beat me up or try you to being a me. writer, is this, can we say that you can, con we can consider some of the things that you've been a part of short films because I noticed that a lot of writers that are writers they'll start to jump into short films do you feel like you've transitioned and grown to something like that oh yeah I mean I've already been I, you know as I mentioned in the 90s I started the LA Times and I think that's where I met Billy and then obviously I went to the source of the first West Coast editor source so mm. I went from print journalism to yeah. producing documentaries American Gangster Unsung yeah. you know whatever right. so yes right. I, I still but it's still me telling a story yeah you just you know it's the same thing because a rapper is a storyteller too, right? And so whatever I put on TV is the same shit that I put in a newspaper or in a magazine. I'm just using a camera now, right? So I'm still telling you a story in the same form. So yeah, I mean, that's the day. I mean, newspapers is dead, magazines is print, whatever. Right. That's the new hustle. It's it's yeah. interesting to talk to a real writer, mm -hmm. like because y'all start to like hop into, like I said, short story, short film mm -hmm. type of ordeals. You know, not even have to be documentary style, but it could be just like this, uh, for instance, like my buddy, he wrote like a, a real horror, gory one, like, but it's mm -hmm. real short, but it's mm -hmm. sweet. Right. Okay. You know what I'm saying? It gets down to the meat and potatoes of the situation, man. Mm -hmm. There's real great writers out there, and I noticed that y'all tried to, like, all right, I, I've done this, I've wrote for this, like, now it's time to maybe bring my words to life. Right. And no, it's good. It's good that I was able to transition yeah. from that world into yeah. television and film. And I think a lot of the people from my generation, you know, the 90s hip hop and early 2000s have now went into that. One of my boy uh, Carlito works on, he worked on Empire. My boy Selwyn, he's in a bunch of stuff. And, you know, so a lot of us from that time, Billy, my boy is doing publicity, but I'm just a storyteller, man. You know, you know that little kid that was in your hood and be like the ghetto reporter? They'd be like, oh, yeah, I saw Keisha. Keisha left with Tyrone. Oh, man, I, the last Thursday, he owed him $300. You know, I was, you know, I had the glasses. I, I peeped game. So I've always been a, like a ghetto reporter, you know? Yeah. Hey, I mean, you've worked with BET, right? Yeah. You've done things like that. I mean, I wouldn't want to say that's ghetto. No, but I'm saying when I came up, I was in an urban environment, and I was just reporting what was going that's on. That's the best. Yeah, but I'm saying now. It's the fucking best. Now I'm on real. mainstream television, A&E, and you know, VH1 and whoever else, but it's still the same thing. But a lot of people were afraid to tell them stories. Mm -hmm. You ever notice that, like, for real, a lot of people were, that's, all. Oh, I'm not going to go there to go tell them. So, like, you lived in it. Right. You but I think that it, it's good that, you know, FBG Duck, who you mentioned, who got shot in the Gold Coast, yeah. um, we went to Chicago, talked to his family, his mother, and, you know, we went to Oblock where, because I don't know if you know, but people in Chicago know, Tuchelville and Oblock are, are, like, at war. Like, in Chicago, these motherfuckers 
They're killing each other for GDs, you know, BDs, whatever. And so going to O Block, where our brothers and sisters, like a block or two divides you. I don't know if you know about Chicago. Yeah, like I'll there's stay people, there a little bit. there's stay people there who can't go past that block, mm-hmm. their whole life. And if they get caught slipping, that's whatever. So it's it took people like me and Van to go there and kind of have a pass and be able to walk in there and tell those stories because those are still beautiful people, right? They're just in the hood. They might be in a project. That don't mean that their lives aren't valid, that they're not important. It's just that the government and the media has told you to be afraid of these people. I'm wanting to, I never want to get to the place where I'm afraid of my own people. I still got to be smart, but I'm, I'm, I want to make sure we tell our stories. You know what I mean? Sidney Poitier, somebody like that, Harry Belafonte, these are the guys that I look up to, Chuck D, folk like that, you know, who are doing it, Reggie Hudlin. You know what I mean? So um, it takes us to tell our own, like right today, you, you got a whole podcast, you're doing your shit, yeah. you telling yeah. stories of the culture, right? You using yeah. a mic. Yeah. You was using your mouthpiece when you was, you know, with the P. Yeah, for you sure. You know what I mean? And so you just took that mouthpiece that you had and, you know what I mean? Tweaked yeah, it. Yeah, man. I, I and, and, you, like, and you ain't got to deal with a jail sentence afterwards. I've, 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 <laughs> yeah. I've, I've, I've considered myself, which I'm going to write a book from... Pimping to potting. Uh, you know, man. And just sitting back, man. Pimping to potting. Know, That's going to be the title of your book? Yeah, <laughs> chopping it up, man. And just things I've done seen, man. Things that, you know, just my experiences, man. And, you know, I just hope people can take something from it. But I think if you see the game, I could only imagine if I look back at your life and I put a camera on a lens Good. for the little 20-year-old you to the man that you are today, there's probably some great stories. One of my friends actually did. Okay. Um, uh, a man by the name of Michael Moroy. Mm-hmm. He used to actually do uh, Too Real for TV. Okay. I don't know if you ever heard of him before, but the name is, it's moved around. I mean, mm-hmm. shit, he's done, he's done, he's done some dope things. Like, and okay. he's captured us, and he captured me a while back in one of his videos that uh, me and him, we had captured some years ago when I was young, me and a Red Chevelle. Um, you know, it actually, man, shot up today. Okay. You know, because it's from back then. People want to see so, and he passed away. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Michael Roy passed away, man. Shout out to him, man. I'm gonna love him to the, to death. You know, it, it, he seen it then, like so. People were capturing, and you know, they were way ahead of their time then. He's put out DVDs. This is when DVDs, Bobby, not the DVDs, man. <laughs> he would chop and clip and and edit his own things, man, and put them out, man, and sell them, and people would buy them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so it's. <clears throat> This shit is just to see how far it's came. Like I think people the internet, been on yeah. this shit. I think the internet has really helped people who didn't have the cameras and big money. You know, you don't but, need all but of that it, now. But it's but it has detoured true vision. Mm-hmm. I feel like because you know now everybody they give you all the help on phones and on cameras and all the extra shit. Back then, motherfucker had to kind of do what they do. <laughs> you had to kind of right. catch it for what you caught it as, or even when you wrote things, like you had to write it for what you wrote it as. You didn't have really no help, and these seven, eight people, or mm-hmm. you know, let me see what this person wrote on their story. No, fuck that. This is my story. This is something I I I believe in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just different today, man. We we live in a different era where. People kind of, we, we do rely on the internet for everything. Well, I mean, I think that the, the instantaneousness of what happens now, you know, P&B Rock, people had video from that within seconds or it's up on the internet. When we used to write these stories in the source or, you know, Vibe or whatever, it would take months before the story come out, right? You wouldn't even be able to know this story and you didn't have the ability to DM Rihanna or send a, you know what I mean, or send a text message to her. So I think, I think that... Uh, it's good that the internet has helped and we got these cheaper cameras, but I do think, yeah. I think it's bad. It's too much access. It's created too much access to the internet. Well, you know, to me, it's cut out, and I said this earlier, it cut out the manpower. Mm-hmm. It cut out, like, the man, like, doing the work. Right. You know what I'm saying? For it. You know what I mean? Now it's all at the click of a button, man. Like, what do you do? How do you beat that? Mm-hmm. How do you beat that? Information can be powerful. Information can be problematic, you know, in but, my opinion. But... For everybody that's on the internet, they feel like every bit of information that's on there is truth. It's not true. Yeah. And it's not, it's not truth, truth, man. And, and 90... by, the way, by the way, our show, um, one of the things that we wanted to do is dispel internet rumors and really get to it and actually talk to the real people because mm. people could just post to whatever and say whatever. It's interesting to see Kanye unravel. And obviously Kyrie, Kyrie got into trouble for something he did on the internet, right? Because he posted a link to this video that people considered... Yeah. anti-Semitic yes. and really what you do and say online can affect your life and career. Ky- uh, Kyrie just lost, you know, a bunch of money, uh, 
uh, Kanye lost hundreds of millions of dollars for what he said and shit that he wrote on the internet. You know, by the way, it was no problem when he was threatening his wife and doing whatever. When he said something about, you know, they thought was anti-Semitic, then it was immediately something. So I want to make sure, you know, you say the shit, shit about the wrong person, then it said something. But you could say whatever else before that, and it'd be no problem. You know, he wanted, no to, problem. he wanted to kill Pete. You know what I mean? And he was like threatening Pete on the internet and all kind of wildness. You feel like we're controlled? Feel uh, like, like, do you feel like like we're really censored? Uh, I work in the media, man. So I, you know. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm gonna be like you Dave Chappelle. <laughs> you saw Dave Chappelle on uh, Saturday Night Live, and the first thing he said, "I like to read a, I like to read a, a statement." You know, my brother's it just isn't. Yeah, he, I, he got it out the way off top, way. right? He's like, "I want to make sure you know, I have, I have love for you." Then he went and went into the whole shit and kept it real. Hey, I'll tell you this: if I could ever get Dave Chappelle up here, like I'm gonna tell you this, man. Like that dude right there is iconic. Yes, and just the way he tells his jokes. Mm -hmm. He just stands up there, smokes, mm -hmm. and is honest about his vision. It's, it's all opinions. Now, whether people gravitate towards that opinion to make it fact mm -hmm. is on them. Right. You cannot always blame the messenger. Because right. those people have a choice to choose what they believe and what they don't believe. Mm -hmm. It goes back to the internet. People sit on there. They believe, hey, they believe it because they feel like that's just what's in their face now. Right. Yeah, it's so unfortunately that he, it, the freedom of the speech part is what I don't like. Gone. It's and gone. I think, you know, he, he immediately was vilified again by, you know, different people about what he said, but nothing he said was not true, right? It's just, can you say that? You know, you just had a xenophobic far-right president who said all kind of crazy madness to everybody, handicapped people, uh, Sleepy Joe, people was ugly. <sighs> he, he was a thug. He was a, people don't realize, did he ever get canceled? Did he ever lose hundreds of millions? No, he got more money. So there is a, a double-edged sword where the white man, Donald Trump, can be off the chain and say whatever, and a young black guy, Kanye or Kyrie, no matter how you feel about what they said, immediately is vilified. Right, because it's not about the topic about what they said. It's, it's, a, it's, 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 it's just what does it fall in the same magnitude, right. and they did. Right. And they You're got right about that. Yeah, You're right about that. It still fell in the same magnitude. It's not about what was said. It could have been two totally different things. These motherfuckers fell on level 10, yeah. both of them. And they're black. Yeah, and so make sure you, you got that part right. So, you know, I don't know. It's just a crazy world. So I'm, I'm smart about what I say, but a lot of what... No, you're very you, smart you, you, you in how you come. move. Very strategic. <laughs> Militant. I like and, that. In the words of uh, my brother O'Shea, it's chestnut checkers, pimp. You know mm. what I mean? It's, it's definitely a marathon, not a sprint, you know? If I was in the short term, I would have sold crack in 86 and then thought I was going to bubble when I'd been in jail in, in 91. Trying to get my life right. Well, you probably would have bubbled, but yeah, probably would have died out about 91, yeah, 92. Got, most most drug dealers don't get fat and move to Miami, right? They either no. in jail or dead. Very but few that's get the away, slogan, right? But that's the slogan. What? Is, you know, what do hustlers do, man, when they they retire and get fat and move to Miami? It don't like happen that, that much, though, yeah, right? It don't How many pimps that, that you know that really made it to the, the finish line without going to jail from some period or something getting caught or whatever? You know? I think everybody, let, let me tell you something, homie, and I'm going to be all the way. One thou out with you. One thou out. If the, anybody that's went to jail behind that, you know, myself included, just being involved or just ties and allegedly whatever, you know, man, when you when you get out or just anything like that, you know, you gotta like it. Whether you still do it for a little while or not, you know, you have to find your transition. You feel it in your gut. Okay. You feel it in your gut, man. You cannot be stuck on it. Because if you do and you, and you fixate on it, man, guess what? You're going to find yourself in a jail cell. I think that's with anything. Right. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's selling drugs, any, anything that our government would consider illegal. You have to remember, man, they make the rules. Mm -hmm. yeah. We're never rules that were set forth. These are rules that are made. Right. You right. know, this was never a problem. And, and like I said, man, for the record, retired. I don't fuck with it no more. Mm -hmm. I'm out of it. But I've only noticed that they only start fucking with it when they start seeing. See, they they stereotyped it, right? They thought that it was, it was you know, uh, platforms or room living or you know everybody's on drugs or things like that. And they start seeing a motherfucker having seven houses and you know eight, nine, ten different cars and he's having things in different states and he's got bitches here and there. Right. Oh man, that's a problem. He didn't touch over two, three million dollars that year or whatever that man did. Whatever they, because I don't know. I'm just, I'm just putting a cap on it because I know it's there. People have done that in their life. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? So 
to, to see that, that's what I think made it a problem. Right was, okay, this some real shit. It's, it's nothing to laugh at no more. See, Eminem and Horror, just the game in general, was, you know, it was a laughing matter. That's why they made fun of it on TV or you'd see it in movies. And every time you saw it, it was in a, a comedy setting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You Cat know Williams, they want to play it. They want to play it in a in a comedian mix. Not no, not Cat Williams. You know, I, I I don't think that's what it was. I don't think he he painted that narrative. I'm just talking about like more people like in movies from like er, early movies. Are just they always put something in it of just some bullshit. Fucking uh. Yeah, platforms and shit like that. The big hats, the money the signs. Like, like I don't, I don't like that shit. Okay. Like that's just that. That's what they try to paint it to you as. And then when they actually seen that there were some people that actually lived off it or just man took care of their kids and their kids went to school and college and things off that. Man, they had a better life and they may have started career, a business. Right? Yeah, right, right, they know right, they right. started a better business and they got and yeah, it just became something to where they wanted to stop. Oh, hold on, right. we got to tax you. Right. Look what they did with weed. Right, right. No, it's a trip to see Look what they did with weed. how it penalized like, it is back from then. And now, you know, when the white companies say, ain't nobody going to jail. You know, that's how on. it is, though. You know? they, they figure yeah, it yeah. out, man. Now that's why they. I think they had just passed a law to where you, um, the people that ever, the people, anybody that's ever fucked with, like anybody got any type of felonies off weed, shit like that, man, they getting released. Yeah, which is, thank God, finally like, happened. Th- right? Thank yeah, God, yeah. man. But think about the people that have served years, man, before that. Mm. Do they get any compensation or they just get out? You'd be lucky to be alive, right? And not in jail. I, I get, and it's sad because another motherfucker argue that point down and get 10, 20 million. Right, no, it's true. It's true. Let's be real. Yeah, but man, thank God you made it out of that and you, you know, you're here. I'm doing, here. You know, legal hey, paper. Man. Legal hey, man, paper. I'm here. Yeah. I'm having a genuine conversation with you, man. We chopping it up. This is where I like to be, man. I found my calling. Yeah, yeah, you legit now. I, I found my calling. Right, it feel yeah, yeah. good because I never knew what that was like, like in my in my life, man. Mm-hmm. You know, and I ain't never did no funny business, no nothing. And I probably done been down more than I've been up. Right, right. But I stayed down for it, man. I'm here today. I love what I do. That's where I'm at, man. Sharp time. Yeah, you blessed. You you, you sipping mo and, and kicking back smoking one. I mean, paid. shit. I was doing that. Uh, I was doing that before all <laughs> but, this, but but, uh, but to be able to keep it in the mix. Yes, it's right, right. definitely it's, it's a, a plus. It's a beautiful thing, right? It's a it's a plus. And, and, of a and there's no jail cell waiting for you at the end of the night. One question, <laughs> man. One question before mm-hmm. we get up out of here, because I I gotta ask this one for you because you you intrigue me as a as a real solid individual producer director, writer, mm-hmm. that writer I feel like really stands strong with you. Mm-hmm. What can we see, Frank, next five years? Uh, no, you know, Jerry Bruckheimer is sort of my role model in terms of he goes back and forth to film and television. Jerry Bruckheimer is a big time producer. Yeah. Tyler Perry has done a lot. You know, you can call me the hip hop Tyler Perry. So we want to be able to uh, put out more content. Big statement. Yeah, and so I think we want to be able to own more of our content. We want to be able to film it at places that we own. Yeah. We want to, you know, at least, you know, big companies are profiting off our stories. You know, I wish there I was an Instagram or a Facebook you, that brother. we own. You know, think about how much you, revenue brother. they make off us. So, you know, I got a, a big doc. Hopefully a Busta Rhymes maybe pop up doc coming out. I got a Roger Trotman project in the mix and probably more, hopefully more seasons of Hip Hop Homicides and some other cool shit happening, man. I'm just going to keep telling these stories, trying to get my own facility um, and not have to rent from the white man. Uh, much longer, or the, or the white woman, or <laughs> uh, whatever. So I you think know, let yeah. me tell you something. I think that should be any man's goal at the end of the day. And even that person, or them people, should never take, or just your people should never take that person. When you go to Atlanta never be and personal. you see Tyler Perry's building and the reality of what he's done, it's unbelievable and extremely inspiring. You know what I mean? He's got like Tyler Perry Studios Drive. Yeah, no, he has he a, got his own he, fucking he like took a, a military base. And bought his studio is bigger than most Hollywood studios altogether. That is the power of how we our stories are loved and how he thought of as an entrepreneur. And you're a player, right? Because you you come from the life. It's better to be what the pimp than the hoe, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But we gotta still learn how to work together somehow. Yeah, but. You, you know, know, hey, at the end of the day, we got to still learn how to work together it's somehow. It's true, but it you, goes together. you don't want to be homing for life. You might hoe a little bit to well, get the, to where you got well, to get to. I'll tell you this. That's yeah. what I was trying to tell you earlier. I didn't want to pimp for life. Right. But you can now take your destiny. You're pimping now, right? You're pimping your own life. You're yeah. taking your legacy. Yeah. You're taking advantage of your opportunities. It's a different kind of pimping, right? Yeah. I pimp in Hollywood with TV and movies. I ain't 
you know, pimping nobody. I'm You're pimping podcasts. I'm yeah. not pimping anybody. I'm just pimping podcasts <laughs> with cameras and mics and, Same you know, thing, man. people Same running thing. the board. I mean, we shit, we all just, shit, we, I guess we pimping it on a beer, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. We all, we all just working. It's a different level of the game, we man. We all just working. Mm -hmm. Frank, I appreciate you, man, My for brother. coming. Yeah. Sitting down with me, man. We need to do some work in the future. Yeah, yeah. You need to do some more voiceover work. You got that voice. Let me know. You just be using it for the ladies. You might get some paper for it. You know what I mean? Hey, man. Let me know. Yeah, we can but check always out, sit down yeah. and work. Check out our show every Thursdays. Hip Hop Homicide, hosted by Van Lathan, yes, executive produced by Fifty Cent, Mona Scott, myself. Um, airing on Mondays on All Black, and so it should be good stuff. Shout out to Van Lathan. Shout out to Van. That's my motherfucking guy right there, man. I talk to him. He he just overall like me and him. We have these kind of conversations. Mm -hmm. That's why I felt like this is fitting because right. when me and Van sit down, like yeah, we shoot the shit, and he mm -hmm. tells me, oh sharp, I like when you you go in on people's shit, but we still got down to the meat and potatoes, and right. like we always get to what the fuck's wrong with society conversation. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like well, we got to fix it. It's up to us. It's up to us, us yeah, man. To try to make changes. It's know? up to us. Yeah. I appreciate you My for brother. coming, loved one. Appreciate it. Hey, man, hopefully we can catch back up soon. Go do some dinner. Something, man. Just yeah. let me know, man. When you touch the city, we in the same city. We're going to sit down I'm and down the some street, meat. so yeah, you know, keep it P. Yeah, we're going to sit I'll down, I'll P Frank, and so I love that you yeah, keep we're gonna it P. Yeah, we're going to keep it P. Uh, P is in podcasting. <laughs> the Sharp Tank. Yada da. Town business. No jumper. Sharpest, coolest podcast in the world. We out of here, man. Hey, Riley, shoot us out to the gym.